0: Hello and welcome to the Surplus Geek Podcast. I'm Jake, and today my guest is Hampus. How's it going? Hello, it's good. Uh, Real quick, because I don't know if anyone's gonna know who you are. Other than Graham, shout out to Graham. Uh, Do you want to just give a brief who you are, and then we'll just get right into it?
1: Yes, uh, I don't have really started off my collection Instagram yet, uh, but my name is Hampus. I'm a I'm from Sweden. I'm a home guardsman at the great, uh, age of uh, 22. And uh, I'm a signaler. That's my MOS, as you call it in America.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, like, basically, <laughs> you're, you're uh, what we would call a radio telephone operator or, or RTO or something like that, yeah? Yeah. Cool. All right, so the first thing that we wanted to talk about which goes right into it, is, is uh, unlike here in the United States, you guys have conscription still in some shape or form. Uh, what What is it like?
1: We do. Uh, it's been going since uh, basically the early 1900s. And um, it's uh, from about six months to, I believe, 12 months or more. Don't have the exact number. I don't remember. But it's... It was actually uh, removed between years of 2007 and 2014 mm. and reintroduced. And it sh- it's at a much lower scale than it used to be. And we in Sweden, uh, at least up until we took it away in 2007, it's been like... We're a country of 8... Back then, 8 million, now kind of 10 million, I believe. Uh, and absolutely every male... Uh, did conscription Mm -hmm. since the early 1900s till 2007. We had about 50,000 conscripted uh, each year Uh, in all kinds of jobs. Even uh, uh, weather forecast people like they were doing the weather forecast for the Air Force. Those were conscripted men. So everything between uh, heaven and earth.
0: And I guess the real quick question to that is uh, is are women uh required to be conscripted or is that just a like a voluntary thing?
1: Uh, they are uh, actually uh forced to uh, do the conscription, yes. nowadays. Oh, okay.
0: That's pretty cool. Um So I think Yeah. Yeah, no, you go. You go.
1: <laughs> I think it was introduced with the 2014 uh, reintroduction of the uh, conscription that they also became compulsory. Yeah, uh, yeah attendance to that
0: oh that's cool all right so a little bit of equality there nice You um, will
1: go to jail for the duration of your conscription if you do not attend at least okay. also back in the day
0: so definitely do it um i mean we yeah. we have uh we have to still sign up for our draft selective service and it does come with a fine if you don't sign up for it the fine just keeps going up the longer you wait i'm not really sure how much it's uh enforced but like uh, when you're going to college here and you sign up to do, when you do your SATs to go to college, it automatically signs you up for the Selective Service. So uh, it's not something you have to really worry about, but it's just something to keep in the back of your head. Um, that's pretty cool. So you, uh, you did obviously conscript because you didn't want to do jail time. <laughs> I did not actually get. To oh no, conscript. that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yes, yes. Let's get into that. Sorry, I'm. Yeah. So
1: up. the funny thing is nowadays, uh, they don't conscript fifty thousand people. Uh, it's more like uh, I think we're up to 9000 now. Uh, for those that don't know, in Sweden we've had this uh, closure of regiments and the such and the lowering of the military budget which is hopefully going up. We're opening new regiments again. with old ones. So it, it's we're on a low, kind of. But uh, in, uh, I think it was with the 2014. They they kind of check, do you have any medical things? Are you vegan? That's actually a disqualifying fact. Really? Uh, according to my sister, who's a cook in the Navy, that's a disability.
0: Wow. Okay. Sorry, Sorry vegan in people.
1: Yeah. Uh, are we got no shell. Uh, yeah, that's, it's about that's, food. Uh, it's that's pretty interesting.
0: I mean, I kind of understand it because you, you're trying to make a... We, we have vegetarian meals in in the US military. We do too. But, but vegan, vegan is... A, yeah, vegan's a little bit more... Uh, there's more to it than that. So I can understand that. Uh, but it's kind of... It's kind of interesting that it's a disqualifier. That Like, if you... Yeah. Are you a vegan? Yes. Oh, well, you can't join. See you later. Um, but anyway,
1: so it goes like this. When you're 18, uh, you get a letter in the mailbox which says, log into this site and you can do... I believe I, uh, you had to do a questionnaire. I actually never got the login, so I never had to fill in a questionnaire. They probably already knew. I have ADHD and autism. I do take medication. And uh, that was a, de- a blanket uh, denial for conscription uh, when I was uh, up for the uh, uh, draft, I guess. Uh, in uh, 2019. Uh, they then about two years later actually uh, went and said, well, do we rethink this, we'll do like a case by case. And I got it in a, I actually saw it and read up on this in a, a book I got with the Home Guard. I'll come to the Home Guard later. Uh, that, oh, it's green light for autism. And, uh, and I read it through, actually green light for ADHD, not autism. I read it through and it said yeah now if you have a, a adhd you can finally do conscription if it's a, a mild adhd you're not medicated and do not have autism in conjunction mm. with that so basically they haven't really changed a thing so i'm still in the military kind of as you would say the national guard because i when I realized I couldn't uh, do conscription, joined the Home Guard, which is obviously a much longer commitment and not just a 12-month commitment, but for as long as I feel like it. And they don't care about that.
0: Hmm, That's good.
1: I carry medication with me in the field uh, and it works well.
0: Yeah, so that's different from... I mean the the disqualifier like in the the US military I, I think ADHD is a waverable thing where you, if you, you can get it waived um when you go through your phys- your your medical stuff but I think it's depends on medication and a bunch of things and stuff and then I think autism is a flat out uh, no but it could be it could have changed between since I got in and and uh and now um I mean it, I I think it probably should change I think it should be a case by case basis as you know it, yeah, but uh, we, unfortunately we don't shall make I,
1: the rules. Should I talk a bit about how I actually got into the Home Guard? Oh yeah, yeah, go actually. right ahead. So we have something that we've had in varying forms since the early 1900s, back when it was called Landstorms Ungdom, uh, basically military youth. It's not a combative force today. It was back in 1910, uh, actually. <laughs> uh, but the... Uh, since the eighties they're not allowed to do uh, looking at you the uh, what is it the child convention oh yeah they're not <laughs> child soldiers, not anymore they do not they get to carry rifles but uh, between age of fifteen to eighteen or the year you turn twenty one you are able to do basically do a bit of the military, but mostly uh, that entails patrolling and uh, observing. Okay. Yeah. Setting up tents, etc. Actually quite fun. And I joined that when I was 15 and basically fell in love with the radio for some reason. It's a heavy piece of equipment and as I usually say, my only rule when I had that was, if I don't get to talk in it, I don't carry it. Uh, So, I don't really know why I fell in love with that, but I've always had this. I I like the radio talking and the radio and such. And I started like looking what what kind of radio is this? How does it look? And I realized that there's different variations. And after a year, I could differentiate them by just looking at the top cover, mm, and not the actual yeah. plates where it says. Uh, and for those who's been in the military, well, actually, no, it's probably been discontinuous in the hopefully seventies. Uh, the radio got introduced uh, with was the Vietnam Radio PRC-25. Oh, yeah, the yeah. Swedish home got used up until 2019. Oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, before it got replaced by the 180, which is a Swedish design for once. But, yeah. Uh, then I uh, graduated... Uh, well, I call it gymnasium, but probably call it trade school as an electrician. I oh, didn't nice. get to do conscription. I didn't find a job because of COVID, and uh, nobody want to hire an apprentice, apparently. Very weird, since they want electricians. Uh, So I uh, thought, like, I have time on my hands, so I'm going to try and uh, join the Home Guard, because I want to do something. I, I, I missed the uniform. I was still in the Home Guard youth by this point because I left when I was uh, in 2021, when I was 20. Uh, actually took a year, I believe, before they responded to my application. But then I joined. And uh, as I haven't done conscription, I can't actually be a regular foot soldier, but I have to um, be a specialist. So I became a singular specialist.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's funny that you said you couldn't get a job as an apprentice for electrician because I know here in the state, if you moved to the states and was, you know, you're qualified electrician or wanted to get an apprentice to be an electrician, you get a job like almost immediately. Like trades over here are a hot yeah. commodity. Um, so yeah, you no problem.
1: They say that we really need electricians, but I had a really hard time finding anybody that had the space, and obviously it was Corona. Everything was a decline well yeah this I, I, was yeah 2019 2020 um well anyway uh now i haven't done conscription so if i'm gonna be in uh, i thought it was gonna be a company signaler, but i still need some kind of com uh combat uh knowledge so let's say uh training so then we do something called goof or uh let's see Basic training uh, voluntarily, which is a two-week uh, training where I learned to use an, a weapon, pitch a tent, uh, shoot accurately-ish. Uh, I think we had a four or five-day course in the AK-4. Yep. Uh, and then uh, we're more dead with you. Yeah, some uh, medical exercises, etc. So basically, the conscription, but in two weeks.
0: So you got, I like, crash, the course, basically. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Even had the gas chamber. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, so I did that, and then I got... I actually went to a platoon instead of a company. So I'm actually at the lowest sp- uh, signaling level, because we don't have radios at group level. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, we do, but also no. Not the big radio.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, radio, uh, in, the, in the U.S. military, radio is one of the most important aspects. I mean, it's probably for you guys too, but it is considered, yeah. for us, it's considered a, the like the best weapon in the unit because you can call in support, you can call in what you need. Uh, that's that's just how we look yeah. at that stuff.
1: Yeah, I know. And now the Hong Kong doesn't really get that <laughs> much support anyway. I, at least we don't really train in that. We don't have a attached... I think some battalions might have mortar sections, but we don't, my battalion. Yeah. Uh, we barely have any boats, and we're kind of close to the coast. But yeah, so uh, uh, then I did that, and I actually had to do an introduction course uh, of 10 days where I had to do a uh, guard training, basically to uh, be a guard post. It was okay. a battalion-specific training, actually. Ten days, and... Uh, uh, a bad thing about the, this whole system is that, on paper, a uh, dog handler is supposed to get a pistol. So, they, I, my dog handler in my platoon right now, she went... Uh, we did uh, the same basic training, and uh, in her basic training... I got issued AK-4 because I'm a singular. She got a pistol, but we knew that our battalion weren't issuing pistols to our dog handlers.
0: So when
1: she went to the introduction uh, course, she was given an AK-4 and about half a day worth of practice with it and then put at the shooting range trying to make uh, uh, a test. Basically, you have a target and you're going to have to make uh, let's see it's 9 uh, It's you have uh, 12 bullets in 3 magazines and you're 2 magazines
0: hmm.
1: and uh, so 6 in each and you're supposed to make 9 hits and there's points in different zones, and then you take those points, and the points should be more than the time it took for you to do this. And you, like, start standing. Then you fall down to prone, free shots, up to kneeling, free shots. Reload up to standing, free shots, and free, do you want to, uh, better shots, if you miss somebody, something. Okay. Which, I mean, we had, like... A few hours, say, five. Probably less. Uh, I already had my uh, done the basic training on the AK-4, but she had basically five hours on it, and then went to the shooting range and straight to live ammo. Uh, and then a few shots later, she was doing the test. Ooh. I yeah. heard they got them better now, but yeah.
0: Yeah. It's funny that test actually sounds sort of similar to our alternate test for rifle range, um, where they put the target. I think it's twenty five meters down, and you have a you know it's a paper target. It's got a lot of miniature targets on it, and then you have yeah. to, you know, you hit a certain number and stuff, and they tally it up. And um, uh, we still, I think it's still forty rounds. It might be less rounds. We do forty rounds for our, our rifle range. Uh, you do twenty from the prone, unsupported. You no. Know, yeah unsupported ten supported prone and then ten from a crouching mm. position um so that's the that's kind of the difference there um
1: yeah do you have a time limit for that
0: uh not really but uh they're the the targets are pop up so you oh. have um they're 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 from i think it's i think it's minimum of fifty meters or yards, I'm not sure, I think it's meters for us, Um, from 50 meters all the way up to 300 meters, it might be less than 50, I can't remember, it might be 25, actually. But yeah, you have a target, you have, uh, there, there are two lanes of targets going down the range, and uh, they'll pop up at different intervals. There's only four 300-meter targets, so, like, um, a lot of guys won't shoot at the 400, uh, the 300-meter target, because uh, you can still qualify expert if you miss all four, because 36 mm. is expert, Uh, so that's, like, the trick behind, you have to hit everything else, but... Um, I always tried to go for the 300s because it was fun, uh. But yeah, they're like standard like E type targets or whatever. Um, They used to be Ivans. They called them Ivans. These like little plastic Russian soldier looking things and stuff. But uh, they were they're they notorious for being riddled with holes and then not popping down. You hit them so that, like it wouldn't count. Oh. Yeah. But the new new targets—if you hit the dirt sometimes in front of them, it will cause the target to go down. So, <laughs> and, you know, it's it's it is what yeah. it is. And then, uh, yeah, so yeah, the alternative test was very similar. I don't remember. Like I said, I can't remember if it was forty. Someone, hopefully, someone uh, listening or watching will be like, "Yeah, it's this," because I I never had to do the alternative test, but I always went to the went to the full range. Um. So that's pretty yeah. interesting that you guys that that kind of sucks it's for probably- her that that she didn't get like uh she kind of get a raw deal there but
1: i may just uh, quickly add on that we have a full body target at 50 meters and you have to uh, do the whole thing and if you do all headshots you have 45 seconds okay so and not everybody does full headshots so you usually have about 20 to 30 seconds to do all these six uh, or nine shots in all these three different positions with reloading.
0: Yeah, that can take some skill, for sure.
1: Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, And also, she, uh, another bad thing about the AK-4, she actually knocked one of her dog's teeth off with the AK when she was, because she's holding the leech in one hand and probably radio in the other, and rifle swung around, hit hit the the dog. dog. Yeah, that's
0: unfortunate. yeah. Hopefully, uh, I mean... It looks good now. Yeah. Because uh, for anyone that doesn't know, just just to throw it out there, the AK-4 is, is your guys' variant of the G3, technically. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Just so, you We're know... Gonna... Yeah.
1: And it's a very front-heavy gun as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, and then, because... Uh, um, are you guys ever going to... Is that something that uh, eventually they're going to phase out the AK-4? Because I know... You know, especially oh, with NATO, you guys just joined NATO, right? Technically, no. So, that's no. Finland. Oh, it's Finland. That's right. You guys are still. You guys were planning on it, though, right? Isn't Isn't yeah, Sweden planning uh, on it? But Turkey's blocking it or something along those lines. I was
1: gonna say a specific country, but yeah, Turkey. Turkey. It's fine. Is you can thing call
0: thing it. it Turkey if Turkey's. I
1: Yeah, I'm fine with calling it Turkey.
0: Sorry, Turkey. Yeah. Uh,
1: but... Yeah. No, Turkey said uh, political things for Turkey. I guess. Yeah. You don't want to let Turkey us things join uh but yeah we're actually bought we got a contract with a finnish i think soko a rifle now oh it looks like an ar i'd say ar 15.
0: that's pretty interesting i didn't know that. that's pretty
1: cool. same shorting handle and uh should we go about the logistics or the difference between the national guard operations and the home guard because yeah. this kind of ties in
0: yeah, well, yeah, we can, yeah, cool. yeah, definitely.
1: So, the army has what's called the AK-5, or I believe the FN FN C. I yeah. think it's FN C. I don't, I never remember which one it is.
0: Yeah, you're right, it's FN C. Uh, yeah. And
1: yeah, and uh, it has a last bolt hold open. It's in 5.56 with a 30 round mag. The home guard has what is the? That's the standard uh, rifle of the army all branches of the army. The Home Guard always get old stuff. We were using Mausers up until like 2007. Uh, And uh, let's see. uh, We have vehicles from the 70s. I'll go into detail about that, I guess. But uh, later. But we got the old uh, standard issue rifle, the G3, which has been in use since the 60s. I think mine is actually produced in 1965. It has been
0: refurbished. That's pretty cool, though.
1: Yeah. Uh, 65, 66, there's some interchangeable ports or ports that have been changed, obviously. But the major stamp ports is from 65 and 66, I believe. And... uh, they are going to change the rifle, yes, but the home guard isn't going to see that for many years. Hmm. I heard some things about that uh, because we're getting rid of the AK-5 because apparently the army has used it so much in conscription it's actually worn out the barrels. Okay. Let's see. Uh, the AK-5, uh, they almost completely worn out of barrels because of conscription. I heard somewhere that they're going to give them the AK-4, but probably if we'll go into storage or destruction. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, we're not going to get the AK-5. That's for certain. So either we keep the AK-4s or we're somewhere... In, we usually, in the home guard, say, oh, we're getting new vehicles. Yeah, probably 2035. But 2030 is the most realistic that the army gets it. I think there was saying something 2030, 20, 2035... 20, there's a lot of stuff where, yeah, they promise us stuff, but they never really deliver. Yeah. They said they bought a Mercedes Sprinter to uh, phase out the old TGB 20s, which were made in the 1970s, uh, which we still use, the whole TGB line. Uh, Americans know them as a C303, etc. I think okay. that's the TGB 11, the Uh, The TGB 20 is a troop carrier carrying... I think 20 soldiers almost. And uh, they were going to replace it with a Mercedes Sprinter bus. And uh, first off, no, that didn't happen. They did uh, did not buy uh, nowhere close to enough vehicles for that. Uh, And uh, they're not very well-trained vehicles. Hmm. They put a kind of metal flat uh, at the front to like protect the front when you go in terrain. But that kind of makes it that you can Oh, and okay. It's still a, a Mercedes Sprinter bus with beefier tires. The, there's not much changing that.
0: So you guys don't even really want it then. <laughs> Well, or, or do you think it's good enough that it's better than the old stuff?
1: Uh, <laughs> I'm I thinking I don't say anything I shouldn't.
0: That's uh, fair. That's fair. Yeah,
1: I mean, uh, I, let's see. Well, I mean, compared to the, all...
0: I was yeah. gonna say compared to us. I mean, uh, just just the the, the National Guard because the National Guard definitely is the the kind of the hand me down of the U.S. at least the U.S. Army because the National Guard is the sub component kind of mechanize? of the UN army. Yeah, so but that's mechanized. Yeah, we're mechanized. Um I mean it depends on your unit. We have line infantry units that are um just straight up uh not mechanized. There's line infantry, but uh for me I was heavy weapons so we had Humvees. Um uh, but we had I yeah. mean we we got uh for rifles we I mean M4 standard rifle. Uh we actually got the M4A1 plus upgrade program uh M4s um in 20 I want to say 2018 or 2017 somewhere in that ballpark and That's pretty soon. I think the uh, active component got theirs like only a few years before that. So uh, they've really caught up uh, in the modern era for the National Guard to actually issuing the most modern stuff. Because I got the most modern uh, 50 cal, the upgraded 50 cal, the M2A1. Oh. We got um, the M320 grenade launcher instead of the M203. We had that pretty quickly. And we had the... Yeah, we we had the uh, the M two forty Lima, the the newest M two forty. So I mean, oh uh, yeah, we got all the good stuff. Is
1: that the Picatinny two forty?
0: Yeah, it's got yeah, and it's titanium and it's got a different stock, which I hate, but it's all right. Uh, it's the
1: FN mag, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a lighter FN mag. Yeah, it's the upgraded yeah, FN. We mag, have yeah. that. Yeah, I I love it. It's, but, I prefer it over the fifty I know, controversial opinion, but I actually, I that was my second, my primary was a tow tow missile. My secondary was a 240 in my turret, and then I have say an ah. M4, and I love the 240. It will chug through anything.
1: So, quickly about that: we bought it one and chambered it for 6.5 Swedish, but now it's in 7.62 the Bravo version. But they still issued old 6.5 uh, boxes, so when you oh. put your 7.62 down in them, they are like the tiniest bit shorter, so they kind of fold and rattle a lot.
0: Oh, that's pretty cool, though. Six five two four or FN Mag. That's that sounds yeah, pretty awesome.
1: but we still don't have Picatinny on it. No, oh. uh, we're on the Bravo with the. It's basically the FN Mag as we bought them in uh, nineteen fifty eight. It's called the Machine of fifty eight. Yep, but in seven sixty two nowadays. I mean, they haven't the, changed anything.
0: The good thing, though, is that at least the FN Mag as a, a weapon system is a fantastic weapon system. So at least you got that. You guys could have adopted something that you know. You could have. I'm not going to say something You're... controversial. So we'll we'll move on from controversial opinions. But
1: well, I can actually tell you what they were looking at once the HK21 for the home. Guard. Oh,
0: oh, hey, the HK apparently,
1: but they already had the 58, so they didn't.
0: I like the HK21 actually. It's it's I like I like the the G3 sub. You know that that whole family yeah. of weapons, but.
1: I... I don't know how real it is, so you have to correct me on that, but have you heard of the HK twenty five?
0: I think so, yes.
1: The fifty cal? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, if they're gonna do it, they're gonna do it. Uh like I said, I like That's... I like the M two fifty cal, it's just because uh, I know people are gonna be like, How how can you like the two forty or the M two? The M two forty A, it's lighter, it's easier to get into my turret. That was one thing. <laughs> you know it's a lot yeah. easier to like bring that up the side of the humvee than it is to bring up 50. but also it's just the 50 i found to be it just was a it it, 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 it versatility wise i can take the 240 off the pintle mount and if my if, if say my humvee got disabled i now have a 240 to bring with me i can't carry the i guess i could carry the 50 cal with me the tripod yeah but that how much ammo can i really carry how far am i really going to get you know but the 240 yeah. i can use that as a primary and 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 go to work. So the, the, although I still will say I hate the telescopic sco- uh, stock on the the 240 Lima. I don't know what they were oh, thinking with that.
1: Is that the paratrooper stock?
0: Uh it's like, actually On the FN Minim. Yeah, it's pretty similar but it's worse because they it, it for me at least I could never get my cheek low enough oh. to get my eye on the iron sights. Uh, with the scope on it with the machine gun optic it was fine, but with the iron sights, I felt like I was putting my face, like I had to put the stock through my chin bone just to get my, you know, to get proper sight pictures. So I never liked that. You put an MGO on it, it was fine. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, so, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Um,
1: Talking about the M2, we actually have uh, the, the most amount of M2s we have on a vehicle is on the Combat Boat 90. It has three. Oh really? One is an anti-aircraft mount, and two is hull-mounted. Oh on the really? Right side of the ramp.
0: That's interesting. You should
1: look up on the picture and that because it's like I don't like you. I'm just gonna fire when I'm going like a few knots.
0: Well, oh, that's like, that's like old, that's like World War II, early World War II US tanks where they gave the, mach- the, the driver yeah. two whole machine guns, but they were fixed to the driver. So the driver had to turn the tank. But can you imagine yeah. like, you're in the turret trying to aim at another tank and the driver's having fun trying to shoot his machine guns around at people and stuff, driving the tank around oh, trying to aim it. It's like And
1: they'll put that in a boat...
0: Yeah, that's that's kind of fun though. And make it fifty cows, that's what makes it better.
1: Yeah, and it's more of a assault craft as well. It's kinda of going up to the beaches, dropping yeah. people off and getting out.
0: That makes sense. That's pretty cool. Um so you so you're not you don't just you're not just in the home guard, you also collect. You're also uh, I do. a collector of militaria. So uh what got you into collecting military? Has it been a thing that you've always been into or is it, you know, started later on or?
1: I actually started collecting cameras, which is not military collecting, obviously. But then, so I've always kind of collected, but then I started collecting radios, which tied into my radio uh, niche. Uh, And I'm also in a, now uh, thanks to Graham, uh, a reenactment group when we went down to Denmark because I decided to join them, because then I can actually try and use the radios. It's fun. There's some weird oddities in the radio. They're mostly American. Oh, that's actually.
0: cool. Yeah, I that's it's, radios is one of those things that I uh I I want to get into kind of because uh you know that that especially the Vietnam to like the eighties era like that's that's that time frame. But um it's just too expensive here. You could go on eBay to try to get a you know a PRC twenty five or something of that nature. It's just too much money. Yeah, see that's nice.
1: PRC ten. Also, Vietnam, I believe.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: In the Swedish configuration.
0: Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. I mean, like I said, it's on no my list. Works. But oh, really? Yeah. Do you guys need? Um, can you guys just have the radio, or do you need like a, a license to have radios?
1: Well, about that. Uh,
0: if you don't turn so it on, it's not it's illegal. Not
1: illegal to have it, but the frequencies it's on, it's illegal to oh, okay uh, yeah. on. And this is a 30 to 80 megahertz, and I believe the band that is forbidden is 30 to 88... Uh, actually, 87.9... Uh, 9... Let's see, 975, because it's a... Yeah, 88 hertz, base megahertz. Okay, 30 that to makes sense. megahertz.
0: Yeah, I can understand that, because, uh... I'm trying to think of what our... We, we had, um... Uh, what did we have for radios when I was in? I'm trying to think of what we used. We did. We we had we had the Harris radios. If you were deployed, you got the Harris radios. I forget the designation for them, uh, but they were you could encrypt yeah. them and stuff. But the radios that we oh. used were unencryptable, so we just uh, we used those.
1: Yeah, I just we just got in the home guard the encryptable radios, uh, but uh, yeah, as I mentioned before. Oh, the Harris radio—that kind of looks like a walkie-talkie.
0: Yeah, it's much more uh, compact, more convenient. We had guys. Uh, we had one guy that was—he uh, wasn't exactly a radio telephone operator, but he became our our radio uh, our radio guy. He went to like a, a course on it and got trained up. So he was always the guy that was running around making sure that when we were setting our radios up, we weren't messing it up. Because I yeah, I must have forgotten how to set our radios up so many times. It's not even funny. By the time I got to the next drill, because, you know, we drill once a month here, uh, oh. I would forget how to do it. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Wait, speaking you of which, it? how how often do you guys do your, do your commitment? I didn't even think about that so, earlier.
1: My contract days is eight days a year.
0: Eight days a year?
1: That's when I need to show up. And those are planned exercises of four days each, or sometimes we just do the whole eight. But we do have weekend exercises where we just go out uh, for the weekend and do some training, yeah. but that's voluntarily. In Depending on battalion, they might enforce the voluntary as well.
0: Yeah, we do, uh, for anyone listening in the United States even, if that wants to join the National Guard, it's, it's one weekend a month, but that one weekend can be you know, sometimes Monday's a weekend. Sometimes Friday's also part of the weekend. Sometimes Thursday's part of the weekend. Uh, it could be anywhere from two days to four or five days. I think it's, uh, it's like 30-something days a year that you drill, and then we have our two weeks in the summer, which two weeks, sometimes two weeks isn't two weeks. Sometimes it feels like they, uh, they extend it. I've done a three-week, um, uh, three-week annual training once, uh, so they could be a month I don't know if they can go past a month, but they vary in time. So, yeah, we do we do one week in a month minimum every month uh, and then two weeks in the summer. Usually it's in the summer. Um, so it's a little bit more time, uh, and it's definitely all yeah. mandatory. <laughs> that is part of your commitment when you sign up. Um, but it's not too bad. I, I, one week in a month wasn't that bad.
1: A lot of guys do the weekend exercises as well.
0: Yeah. yeah. I this mean, in
1: my battalion.
0: It's good. It's good for company. staying, you know, fresh on the stuff. Because, like, the one issue that, like I said, we ran into, and this is not just me running into this, was a lot of us would forget. I mean, when you get off, we would drill for a weekend. You'd get off drill. You'd go home. I, I mean, I thought about the military, but it wasn't like I was thinking like, how do I take apart X, Y, and Z, or how do I, how do I take care of a Humvee and do the proper preventative, you know, maintenance on a Humvee. My brain just deleted that information, yeah. and then I went about my life as a civilian. And then a month later, we'd go back, and then be like, "All right, you got to do all this stuff." And I'm like, "I'm gonna need the the manual." Yeah, I'm gonna need the manual on this one. And like, we'd have our phones out, like quickly googling it. Like, all right, uh." yeah. You know, it's just like some guys. Some guys can remember. I could the toe, toe I had down. I could I could do that in my sleep. The toe I I was proficient in the toe. I I did not need any. I could probably still do most of the functions with the toe system and running it and starting it up and. It's logged into my brain pretty good. Uh, Like, rifle stuff, machine gun stuff, like, I could probably, I could definitely take apart a 240 uh, right now without any lead-up. The M2 gets a little bit, uh, not confusing, but the the Jesus pin, as we call it, which holds the block, the, uh, I don't know, I forget what it's called, but it holds it, basically, we call it the Jesus pin because it's the most important thing, but it's, like, this big. Um... That that part I might need a refresher on. The the yeah, but and the Mark nineteen I definitely would need a refresher on the Mark nineteen because we I only took apart the Mark nineteen a few times. We barely ever took the Mark nineteen out of the armory, but
1: Yeah, I imagine it's heavy. Yeah,
0: yeah it's heavy. It's cool. I fired one, but uh generally speaking the Mark nineteen gets kind of um forgotten a little bit. It's it's the, the odd child out in the family. But um but yeah, the toe, I could definitely get on a tow and just be like laser focused on that thing. I love the. I love doing that. That was the. That was the reason why I joined. My recruiter was like, "Oh, you get the. You can do tow missiles." And I was like, "Okay, sign me up for that. I'll do that."
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, I should add that. Uh, uh, I'm in a. Uh, let's see, insights company or uh, how should I translate. Just basically the observer companies, like kind candy- of guard I don't know how to translate this but then you had the general infantry companies and I'm in one of those which means I got eight days but the guys who are kinda like not really a spearhead infantry type of role that company only has four days huh. annually.
0: Yeah that is that's interesting. So yeah it that is a that is a pretty interesting comparison to from the Home Guard to our National Guard um cuz the national guard probably was more like your home guard way way back in the day uh when it was less or like, like like less now it's considered we have to be at the same standard as the active army so like we go through full basic training you go to your tech school um and then you go back to your unit and stuff and there's a whole you know it's a whole thing and um i mean the Deployments to the Middle East, uh, 50% of them were National Guard units. So they, they you know, we were getting called up as often as yeah. any other unit.
1: You can get deployed. That's a fun fact. I believe that you could get deployed as a Home Guardman 20, 40 years ago, but not anymore. Oh, really? So we're uh, uh, only a domestic force. I mean, it um, makes sense. We're not even limited to... Uh, military duties we actually what was that now uh, i don't remember when we had this great uh, fire in sweden and they actually called in the home guards oh okay. uh, to help uh, extinguish the fires those yeah fires.
0: We, we do this uh, it's the same thing for the national guard here where uh, civil duty uh, like if there's a natural disaster, uh, like a fire or a hurricane or a snowstorm where I am, um, or, uh, you know, just things like that, we'll get called up. Um, we've had quite a few blizzards, uh, where guys were called up and, and it's funny when you're tied, I forgot to mention this earlier, when you're talking about the numbers of, uh, of, of, um, your conscription numbers for for your country. Yeah. You said it was like roughly around nine, 9,000, you said, I think.
1: I think we're trying to get up to that, uh, somewhere around that ballpark, yeah.
0: To put it in perspective, because um, we have about, my st- my state has about the same population as, as your country, uh, and we're actually yeah. we're on the smaller side of states. My state guard, uh, my national guard is uh, 6,000 strong, or roughly, somewhere in that ballpark. So uh, that includes the Air National Guard, I'm pretty sure, too, because we have the Army National Guard and then the Air National Guard, which is the National Guard for the Air Force, basically.
1: Yeah. But, so um, I should, should put this out there. We are about, I don't know about the inflation of uh, the Ukraine war costs, but the pre-Ukraine war, we were actually 20,000 home guardsmen.
0: Wow. So you got quite a bit. So you—so the home guard is bigger than, than the yes. active? Oh, okay. Yes, uh, it is. Yeah, I mean it's kind of close uh, for us. I think the National Guard is about equal with the active Army, or maybe a little bit less. I can't remember. The, I think it's a little bit less. But there's quite a there's a lot of National Guards, but National Guard makes up quite a bit of the um, of the U.S. Army, uh, you know. And then there's of course there's the Reserves, which is like the, a different version of thing. Like the, it gets confusing because you have the Army active and then reserves the reserves are truly the army's reserve unit and then you have the national guard which is also a reserve unit but is under control of the state but can also be under control of the federal government it's it's kind of confusing but
1: did you have any kind of requirements of how fast you were able to mobilize
0: uh, I think technically speaking, there is a requirement where we're supposed to be able to mobilize. I think it's it's either eight hours or it's 16 hours. Um, but I don't think they've ever, we never tested that. I've never, like, that's off the radar as far as, like, can we do it? Probably not, honestly. But, um. No, we
1: kind of did, in quotations, test this during Aurora. I was a part of Aurora 23, for those who know, the big military exercise. Over now 26,000 participants, and I believe at least, uh, with some from uh, neighboring countries and America, I believe. Oh, you okay. uh, went in from uh, Norway hmm. in the beginning of that exercise. But uh, we kind of did that. Our uh, recommend is, I think, 12 hours partial Uh, capability and twenty-four hours full capability of doing our tasks.
0: Yeah, we uh, we probably should do that at some point. Um, but yeah, I don't think we've ever. It's never been a considerate. Not, not. I mean, I I wasn't you know in charge of anything, so I don't. I don't know. Maybe this is something that they actually do think about. But uh, but like even um, I I can only say so much because certain things I don't want to say. But they yeah i don't i don't know if that's ever been put out to us that we need to be there is a there's like a time frame in which like if they call you up you do have a maximum time yeah but i know that if you were to get called up and you said hey i've been drinking there's actually a there's actually there's it extends your time if i remember correctly because they they don't want you you know driving under the influence to your station you know, for me, it'd be easy. I wasn't that far from my unit station, from my armory. But like for some guys, I know some guys for four hours reff their armory because, not that there wasn't a closer armory, they just wanted to be part of that unit versus another unit, and so they're driving four hours to go to that. You know, because we have armories yeah. everywhere; they're scattered, they're all over the place. But um, but
1: that's where you keep your weapons, right?
0: Yes, yes, yeah. Not the ammo though. The ammo is completely yeah, you know, no. different part of the state. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of weird. If, in terms of an emergency, but...
1: So back in the 80s, a home guardsman had his weapon at home uh, split into three parts. We still kind of do this to this day. Uh, some battalions, I don't. Uh, we're not... We don't do that here, which I think is dumb. But anyway, that's a different thing. Uh, Fair enough. So every home guardsman had his rifle at home. And back in the 80s, you also got issued <laughs> some ammunition. <laughs>
0: Wait, you're so ready. Yeah,
1: ha- yeah. So you actually had ammunition and your weapon, and obviously we have all our gear at home. Yeah. Uh, like our at least now somewhat uh, competent flak vests.
0: Yeah, we we uh technically speaking could take our gear home. Uh, I for the longest time I had my gear at home because I like to keep it maintained and clean and. I like to fill my ruck at home and do it, like, right. Uh, but at one point, because I happen to be in a, and I don't want to get polit- political, but it just happens to be the reality, the magazines that we were issued were illegal in my state. So even though we were legally allowed to have them because we were in the National Guard, we had to, we were told, okay, you guys cannot take home your web gear anymore. It needs to stay in the armory, in your locker, locked. Uh, because they didn't want us to like, they didn't want one of us to have it in our trunk and then get pulled over. And then like, you know, why do you have this? And it's like, well, I'm in the National Guard. That's why I have, you know, this stuff. And then, um, Yeah. so like, cause like body armor for us doesn't, we weren't issued body armor. It was issued when we needed it. So if we were going to a range that happened to be explosive, like the toe or, uh, 203, we did claymores once. Um, that's when they would break out the body armor. We would get, um, you know, they'd break out the plates and and do all that. Um, so it was it was on a case-by-case basis. Or if you're getting deployed. If you're getting deployed, they would issue... You get brand new body armor. You get the newest body armor and not the old stuff that you we usually got. So you'd get the Gen 4 IOTV and brand new plates and all that jazz. It was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, well... We are actually forced to keep every single uh, part of our gear at home. Oh, we don't have a locker. We don't have an armory. We have a... But we have a weapons armory.
0: But of course, that's
1: yeah. uh, it. And what? Uh, and of course, I do have my vest at home. Nice. Let's see. Let's get the beaver tail. Did I? Yes. There we go. Nice little tail
0: That's fun. of
1: very thin Kevlar. And you're not uh, allowed to have it uh, on top of your uniform it needs to be underneath your uniform because it's
0: not in the m90 pattern uh, okay i guess that's uh that's interesting i mean we're over here like oh you got ocp camo with your ucp you know body armor and you know <laughs> we go all over yeah. the place
1: and this is made for secondary shrapnel uh i know uh but uh also I used this last exercise, which is the only time I've actually used it. Uh, I—it's still summer uh, when we're recording this, and it was summer when I did that exercise. It was hot, and this didn't make it better because this traps literally every particle of air. Oh, I bet. In inside the jacket, and because it's underneath your uniform, and you come back here, there's no plates in this, by the way. It cannot carry plates. It's not supposed to. Yeah. Uh, It's a shrapnel vest. Uh, It's an oven. I lost... uh, I didn't have, like, any water supplements. I didn't have any supplements in the water I drank. I drank at least three, four liters that day. I think this was uh, five hours or something. I don't know. I should have drunk enough water. It was just I didn't have... Like the extra supplement, so I actually got dehydrated somewhat.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, I can see that happening. Uh,
1: yeah. So it's it's very very hot when you wear this, especially in the summer.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's it's it's, it's, it's kind of weird to to make it so that you can't because of the that reason that you can't wear it on the outside and stuff. Because I just like that's foreign to me because all our body armor going all you know flak vests going back to the 50s were always an outerwear thing. They make undergarment yeah. body armor, but like even the, a good example of that is the crewman body armor that came out in the 80s. It's supposed to be able to be worn underneath, but you never see anyone wearing it underneath because it's just, it's easier to wear it on top. You could just take it off immediately. But
1: It's also kind of funny that uh, we got uh, given these when we had a water exercise in my introduction course and this actually floats when it's not wet, but it doesn't when it's wet. But the thing is, we were, like, jumping down from the well, five meters up, and then we were supposed to get rid of the flak vest and swim up. But that's not realistic. You can't get off this flak vest because it's underneath your gear and your uh, coat.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that's so, weird.
1: And this does get heavy when wet. But I when bet. it's not, it floats. I was one of the first guys who jumped in before we, like, actually made it heavy. I actually floated upwards. Oh, almost. Well, that's good at least. I, I, mean... I was supposed to like reach the bottom, but I got like halfway when I felt I was going up again. So I got rid of it.
0: That's a uh, that's a weird uh, that's a weird requirement to have you. That's that's that feels like it wasn't really fully thought through with. Well.
1: You know, I should put this into context uh, they had just replaced an old, uh, uh, I don't know what it was supposed to be, but it was, I think this exercise is just to show that when you sink down, get rid of stuff to go up. Yeah. And they had this like box and gear to, that was heavier that actually always made you go down. But some reason they got rid of that and just took some uh, Kevlar Vest out of storage
0: Hmm.
1: And uh, they hadn't tested it, so they didn't know that you had to like actually soak them before you did this exercise. Otherwise, it wouldn't work.
0: That's uh, that's really that's that sounds like a military thing. I mean, anyone that's been yeah. in the military in the U.S. would be like, "Yep, that sounds about right." Not thinking the thing through and then just throwing the guys in there. <laughs> so
1: that isn't really used. Well, I can understand.
0: Be used. I can understand why, though, why it wouldn't be used. But yeah, yeah, that's fair.
1: There might be better. I mean, the not we get better stuff? They go play carriers, and we kinda do sometimes. But I'm not gonna touch into that. Yeah, too much.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, like I said, for us, it's it's a uh, it's a case by case. You know, the, basically, it boils down to not every unit has enough body armor for everyone. Uh they do just. It's all in storage for when it's needed, so we use the old stuff for when we're doing... We need body armor for protection against, again, firing a tow missile, claymores, stuff like that. It's just easier that way. The plates are always brand new because plates are easy to keep on hand. Uh, We usually only have, like, 10 or 12 that we draw from the armory, and then, you know, you only have 10 or 12 guys who are out there that need body armor. Um, Otherwise, I did all my training without body armor, which was fantastic because we do most of our heavy training in the summer... And, uh, you know, it gets it gets hot here, too, so it, it, yeah. it's nice to not be uh, wearing wearing something that traps in the heat. Um,
1: I, I should say, when I say hot, it's only 25 degrees Celsius, and I think you get about 30 to 40 in the hotter states. Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, when oh, I went yeah. to California, it was like 30 to 40. Yeah. And do keep in mind, I'm in a country where we get usually minus 12 in the winter. Uh, but if you go higher up in the country, I'm in Stockholm, you actually get 20 minus or... Thirty minus.
0: Yeah, you guys get so, cold.
1: <laughs> so hot for us isn't that hot. So imagine having that in a thirty to forty uh, Celsius environment. That wouldn't work.
0: Yeah, that's that's not I mean I uh I was when one of my trainings I, I was because I was a gunner, I was in the turtle all the time. So whenever it was sunny out I was just baking. Because, you know, you can't yeah. escape the heat and stuff. But, you know, it is what it is. And and of course, the heat is uh, radiating off the top of the Humvee. So you're just you're getting baked from above. And then this heat is just rising in your face. It was always like... And, of course, the guys inside, my, my driver, TC, and the, the other guy in the back, they had AC because the new Humvees have AC. <laughs> so they were getting blasted with AC and stuff. And I'm up there melting. Um, but, you know, I, I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I love being, again, I cannot talk enough about the tow, tow missile. It's, our okay.
1: smaller motorized vehicles don't even have power steering. Ooh. Only the uh, personnel carrier, or uh, the troop transport, I should say, the TGB-20, trucks, 30 and 40, they have power steering. The other ones don't.
0: Wow. Yeah. I, that's interesting. Like I said, the, we got the upgraded Humvees, and they were yeah. really nice. The AC and is the, definitely nice.
1: And that's like a 2000s renovation?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, like, yeah. for the Guard, we had... I actually, when I first got there, we had not original Humvees, but we had, like, uh, the 90s-era Humvees. Not up-armored, um, just the regular panel doors. Um, They're actually... Wait, do you, they were nice. They were nice. They were the really maneuverable. What? do you get the armor? <laughs> we did get the up-armored eventually. So we had the 400-pound doors with the huge windows and the glass is, like, super thick and... I'm not going to lie. I like the original Humvees because they were more maneuverable. They didn't get stuck in the mud as much because they weren't as heavy. Yeah. And the doors didn't weigh 450 pounds or whatever it is. So you can actually open them easily. Not, I know people are like, oh, it's not hard to open a door. It's not that. It's just when if you're ever in a position where you're on a slight incline and you're trying to do something in your Humvee and that door comes back and takes your leg out, it yeah. hurts. You know, it's like, uh, you know, the original doors on the Humvee are like paper thin. So, um and the Windows are a lot easier to use.
1: The TDP series has never been armored; it's paper thin. Oh, I bet. Never has been, never will be.
0: We uh, also, we also had the high back yeah. Humvees, which had the 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 not cloth, um, like nylon doors. You know, it was like the 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 wrapped doors and stuff. Those were terrible in the cold. they, they, up- they just came right through. Now, I
1: don't believe we had this in the Hungary, but something funny is uh, the nine hundred three series uh, uh, Volvo Valtan, uh, which basically is a uh, car that only has rubberized, uh, yeah, uh, canvas, I guess, Yeah, yeah. the whole vehicle. And they also made a version which carried the you know That's the TGB eleven that carried a uh, nav might not have been a tow, actually. It might have been a bill. It some launcher, but the best version yeah. is in uh, that little 903. They removed all of the canvas, put a little cage thing on it, and then they put a recoilless rifle. And you might have heard of the M2 called Gustav, or the M3, the M4. Yep. Imagine that, but you make it longer and a bit bigger, yep. and... Now a Colga Stow cartridge is about this. That one is let's see if I can get this a frame at least like much that. bigger. Yeah. It it's actually big. And it's a recoilless gun. Uh for those who wanna search it up is the let's see, 90 for the one car TGB. Interesting. I believe it's TGB. Yeah, recoilless uh, rifles are cool. He also made one for the 11, which is called the. Uh, TGB eleven eleven, but it's still the same gun. It's just a fun evolution. I don't think we ever got to the home guard, but I mean, yeah, no seat belts in an nine hundred three cider.
0: It's funny that you guys, uh, the, the Carl Gustav is like the when you think of recurve rifle nowadays, the first thing that comes to mind is the Carl Gustav, at least yeah. for me. But because Carl Gustav, I never got the fire one it would have been great to fire one but um they are did you guys
1: like, have the fiber one the
0: glass fibers i think we're getting it yeah i think that was the because i know uh at some point i'm not sure if it's still the plan but at some point the plan was to give line infantry units um carl gustavs to supplement uh like at4s and stuff because carl gustav is just it's just better in every at AT4 is great but the carl gustav gives you that's that. that's also that, swedish yeah Definitely. yeah exactly yeah it is yeah. um it gives you that that double option with the cargo stuff because you have multiple ammo types you can it, it's reloadable so you're 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 carrying around yeah. one launcher with just one guy carrying around ammo it's just there's there's so much benefits to the cargo stuff um
1: we're still running around with the originals the forty eights
0: oh yeah which forty eight and it's m forty eight because it was introduced in nineteen forty eight right
1: yeah so there's forty eight uh, let's see if I get this right eighty six and now the m eighteen which is I don't know why but they are called the M two, the M three and the M four. There is no M one. The M two yes. is the forty eight, the M three is the eighty six or whatever it was. And the M four is the M eighteen in two thousand eighteen. Yeah. And that's six point six kilos. The original weighs like fourteen.
0: Yeah, that's insane. I mean that's that's the the Karl Gustav is you know, is is going to be one of those weapon systems that I think is going to be like a fifty cal, where it's going to stay in service even if it's been modified heavily. Yeah, it's going to stay in service for so long because it's just so capable.
1: I mean, we don't even we they sometimes use a uh, like a civilian term sniper rifle sight, like an actual scope, but usually it's irons. Yeah, for M forty eights. Yeah, and. Let me tell you, if you ever get the chance to fire one of those and they say pick your poison and like ammunition, pick smoke. Oh, yeah. That's the heftiest uh, payload or it, it's the most bang for your buck.
0: Okay. I'll have to keep that in mind. I mean, I don't think I ever get an opportunity to, but you never yeah, no. know. I am living in the States. So you never know when something might pop up. Someone's like, I got a cargo stuff. Come fire Okay. <laughs> Destructive device. Yeah. yeah no. I'm coming. I'm running. So. With that being said about awesome recoilless rifles and missile launchers and stuff like that, uh we're going to wrap this up because it's now been about an hour. I will say though, I think we'll probably bring you back on in the in the future, maybe season four next year because I like to kind of like space it out a little bit, yeah. but because I definitely think we could talk for another forever. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So thanks for coming I'm on, man. This has back. been great, dude. No problem. I mean I'm I happy think to come back. I think it's a great educational experience for people to get a, just an idea of how, how it works in Sweden and versus here in the United States. And I think it's great that I'm a national guard. I was a national guardsman. You're, you're currently a home, home guardsman. I don't know if you guys yeah. call it that, but, uh, um, yeah, so it's, it's pretty cool, you know? Uh, so, uh, that, with that being said, I'm terrible at ending these things. So I'm just going to say, uh, thanks again. Uh, you can say your goodbyes. Um, and then I'll say my goodbyes. Yeah. So
1: thank you for having me
0: yeah all right. thanks for listening Bye. to everyone's listening and uh, have a have a good something or whatever.